step and every cent would be aligned to how he has led us. Now, whenever we start speaking about um, things like that, about doing, about getting in line with, about calling, then it's very important for us to remember that we are not doing these things to be saved or accepted by God, but we are doing them because we are saved and accepted by Him. So the one who has come to Christ is the one who said, Lord, I want to do your will, but I cannot. I'm falling short, so I, I see the cross. That's my only hope. I embrace it. And now you say, I am free. I'm not judged for the fact that I cannot. I am free to now pursue it, and I'm not on my own anymore to pursue it, but I've, I'm, I'm with your Holy Spirit, so now I'm empowered to pursue it. And that's the joyous position that we occupy as believers, that He has saved us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His beloved Son, and He's got good works that he prepared before and that we should walk in them. Remember, we still have a free will. We should walk in them. It doesn't mean we will. Should is not that you would, that you, that, you, that you definitely will walk in them. But we should walk in them because he calls us into partnership with him. After last week, you could sometimes some of us would get the sense that that it it's 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 a bit it's a bit too much and then it becomes it becomes too much to think of it and then you you escape and there's we have to remember that whenever we deal with something that the word of the lord speaks to us or the spirit of god speaks to us that seems a bit too much that we don't run away from it but that we run to the cross with it that's where we run to it we don't say shucks i can't and we uh, we don't say because i can't i won't and you also don't say i can't but i'll try and die you run to the cross with it there's a transaction that happens at the cross the word of god says pick up your cross daily now, if there would be a wooden cross in your living room that you have to pick up daily, you would first have to go to it, and then you have to embrace it, and then you pick it up. That's a good process. We go to the cross every day. We embrace it. We pick it up, and we walk with Him. I want us to be completely free because we are and greatly convicted and excited for a chance to repentance, a chance to realign. We can be excited because we are free, and there is no condemnation, but there is a great invitation. All right, so it's, it's important to anchor ourselves in the gospel and the good news before we start digging in. But choosing lifestyle is choosing spiritual death. And I'll show that to you very clearly also in the next slide. But Matthew 16, 24 to 25, it says, Jesus told his disciples. Now, a disciple, followers of Christ are disciples. You are called, when you say you're a Christian, it means you're a follower of Christ. It means you're a disciple. Are you with me? So, he's, he's speaking to us. He's saying, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I just felt that we are at a dangerous place where there's a lot of, I want to live my best life. I want to make sure we live our best life, especially when you, once you get married and you've got children. All of a sudden, it becomes about our best life. When it was just you, some of us were, were ra radical for Jesus. We said, no, it's not about my best life. I'll sacrifice for the kingdom. But now I've got beautiful, special people around me and now I step back and say no we'll just live our best life not trusting the fact that where he leads us when we abandon ourselves and even with our families follow him completely that he would be the one to lead us besides still waters isn't that where he leads us he'd be the one that leads us to good things but we cannot 
choose the way we live when we've decided to follow Jesus. And following him is not an abstract thought. It's very, um, it's very practical. It's, it's, it's praying, hearing his voice, because his sheep, the ones who want to follow here, that's a fact. To hear his voice, to read his word and understand, and to be a part of his body where we get confirmation and encouragement. I know for many of us here, if an angel would appear to you and say, thou shalt live the rest of thy life in northern Siberia, and thou shalt preach to a select few and die a miserable death, and the angel disappears, then many of you, I know you, you would, you would sign up and obey. I know you. But the challenge is that when the angel does not come, when the angel does not come, then God tests our hearts to see what will we choose when we're left to our own devices. Will we choose our life or will we read his word and say, I've chosen you? Will we say, okay, Lord, so I don't have a plan from you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to work out the best kingdom plan I can and present it to you. It's the kind of heart that he then says, okay, I see that hand. <laughs> Let's go. Because it, it wasn't lip service. It was real. He wants, you, he wants our hearts. You see, for those who do not really want to seek the kingdom only, he's also hesitant to speak about things like that because he doesn't want, he's not like that. He's a, the Holy Spirit, they say, he's a gentleman. He doesn't force you where you don't, where you don't go. Throughout history, the history of the Israelites, we even see... We even see God honoring decisions that they made that wasn't exactly his will. Like having kings when he was the king. He even came alongside them and then established King David and even played along with it to the extent that he had Jesus, his own son, be in the line of that king that was never even in the ideal Israel, a part of Israel. So he makes all things work together for the good. It is true. But he's looking for that heart that says, I'm going to do kingdom whether you speak to me or not. I mean, the whole Bible is there to obey if I would never hear your voice. Let us deny ourselves. Let us lose our lives. Let us, make this, let us be careful in the decisions that we are making. I wonder whether I should I should do this, but I I told Matthew I wonder whether I should speak about this, and then when I said it, he already thought that I probably would. But I mentioned this last week that there's this 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 law, this uh, you almost want to call it a satanic law, that says um, do what thou wilt, do what thou wilt shall be the whole law. I referred to that last week, so I just. Read up on that just a little bit, and you should maybe not read up about Alistair uh, Crowley. <laughs> he was, uh, some people called him the most evil or the most, the most evil and vile man that has ever lived. It was, was, was absolutely horrible, um, the way that he lived, but he was incredibly smart, and um, he was regularly, like, in all kinds of um, trances and all kinds of magic and stuff he was involved in. And, 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 and demons spoke to him the one time, and they told him that you will be a prophet to this age. You will usher in a new age, and you will be the prophet that will usher this age in. And, we, and he died in late 1940s. But this is the age. I mean, when I read it, I'm like, this guy was an incredibly powerful prophet of the devil because the world has been following him ever since he wrote this um, you can, uh, I don't think he called a worldview but this is, is 
doctrine is of telema, which, which means will or sovereign will. And the first law, these are the three laws. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Now, that is worship unto Satan. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That is lawlessness. As we, Remember we said last time, if you're not doing whatever Jesus commands or says in his word, and you, if you're not doing that, but you're doing the opposite, you, 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 if it's not that, it's lawlessness. If it's not within his law that's on your heart, it's lawless. So if we would do whatever we will, we would be under lawlessness. And this is there, and it's in the church. It's rife in the church. Have your best life now. You are who you are. You must do whatever you want to do. You must become of the like greatest you. And you make decisions that you want to make, and it subtly deconstructs a personal relationship with Jesus because he said, I now call you friends if you do whatever I command you. If you don't understand that I'm Lord, then we can't walk together. So if, you, if, if you're going to live under this, then there won't be the voice of God. There won't be the leading because he's not Lord first, so he's not your friend. It deconstructs our personal relationship with Jesus. The second one is love is the law. <laughs> they make it, it's so close. But when you read who this guy was, it's the most, like this is the breeding ground for the greatest evil that man can come up with he says love is the law but it's subservient to your will it says love is the law now his definition of love is obviously debased but love is the law but it's subservient to your will so whatever you want is higher than love so for that we sacrifice marriages children friends church family for things like career and even calling because Love is subservient to whatever I need to do. Let us not do that. And the th third one, this one is so amazing. He said each one of us is a star in the universe, completely independent from anyone else. And each one of us, with your independent nature, has got your own mission that you should find and you should walk it out with very limited interference of other, of other stars. That's what the world is doing. Even secular Christianity, if I can use that word, is doing that. What's your purpose? What should you do? And now we're not comfortable with small tasks. The Word of God says, give yourself to a humble task. We're not comfortable with humble tasks because I can definitely not play a small insignificant part, you know, because then that wouldn't be calling. My calling should be very, um, it should be big. You should be able to see it. So it, should, it should involve nations or billions Otherwise, it's not mine because mine must be big. It's this thing. You're this, you're this independent star. But no, you're called to be part of a body. You're called to be so intricately a part of something that is a whole and not a whole. And, 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 and this subtly deconstructs local church. The first law subtly deconstructs relationship with Jesus. The second one deconstructs family and re relationships. And the third one deconstructs local ch church. And many of us should be very careful to not adhere to some of these things in the way that we live. It's, so we come against the prophetic that's coming from the darkness. And we live in a way that must portray the light of Jesus Christ. And we need to renounce any alignment with, with Telema. Because it's an, it's an, it's an uh, agenda from the enemy to still kill and destroy. You can, if you read any secular humanistic things right now, that's exactly what they are preaching. That's exactly it. You can slot it within those three laws completely. Um, so, just want you to know, it's not worth speaking about too much. So then. Okay, I will not do what I want. I will not do my own will. You've got me. What do I do? Okay. Now you can get scared right into the law. If you hear this. Now listen to what Jesus says here. He says, be careful. Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. The yeast of the Pharisees, that the, the small, the yeast that 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 um 
ensures that the bread would, what do you call it? Rise. What do you call it? I don't know. But beware of that, of the Pharisees and of Herod. It comes in slowly and subtly, and then it destroys the whole lump. The yeast of the Pharisees is the law. The yeast of the Pharisees is keep the law. Be fearful of eternal judgment and keep the law to make sure that you will not be eternally judged and you, your life will be in order. Legalism. A lot, of us, a lot of us tend to go that way sometimes. And we should be very careful of that. Beware of that and don't go that route. The other route is that of Herod. What did Herod do? He was, he was king, so there was, they say the interpretation for this in summary is there's a civil law which you abide by, but, but morally you do what you want. So as long as I'm within the civil law, then I'm not, there's nothing wrong. But then morally I do whatever I want. Because, I mean, I can cheat on my wife and it's not against the civil law, is it? But it is morally wrong. So it's warning us of going either one of those routes, justifying ourselves by staying under civil law, but then, you know, thinking we're fine under civil law, therefore I can do what I want, or saying I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to uphold the laws on my own so I can be fine. But Jesus called us to relationship, not into legalism or into license. He called us to the perfect law of liberty, to relationship with a king. And we can't only say that and not understand a king. Whatever he says goes. That's what a king is. We don't know that much because we don't have kings. But whatever he says, even, you know, that I often make mention of Queen Elizabeth. But I mean, <laughs> she is sovereign. Did you know that? She can order a killing of people and not have any consequence. She, she can kill someone herself and not have any consequence. She's above. Whatever she says goes. That's what kings do. That's how it was. But they obviously broke down that system because if you give men power like that, it just ends in incredible bloodshed and some trauma. Because Jesus is the only king. Amen? So how do we then live that we say, I do not live under my own will. I do not live under the civil law and then do whatever I will. As I mean, Alistair Crowley did whatever he wanted. He didn't even regard civil law. He was, he was, uh, he, he was cast out of a couple of, a couple of nations in his time because they said, we will not have you. And, but then there's those who are under the civil law, but then under that they do what they want. And then there's those that says, no, I won't be under the religious law. But neither of that, like none of that is where God calls us. He says, I'm, I'm writing my laws on your hearts. Follow me. And then this is the way. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might. Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. If this feels a bit too much to you, this is the word of the Lord. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. It's about a continual yielding to the Holy Spirit. Continual yielding, continual surrender, continual yielding. That's, that's, there's a great key and a great deburdener. Are you with me? Yield, surrender, and then you follow. All right, so that was a little recap. Um, I would. I would like us to move, like I said, from heart to hand this morning also. And I've spoken to a few of you, and the way we are sometimes wired is we now think, oh, everything is a mess, you know. I should, I'm just going to wipe everything off the table and 
give God a blank page. You know, we sometimes feel a, a justification in that. Say, I'm just going to give God a blank, a blank page now. Um, now, as beautiful as that is, it's not that helpful because there isn't a blank page. Because then, are you, going, you you can't wipe scripture off the table, and you can't wipe the things He's already said off. And often I find that speaking to some of you, it, you are busy with things that he actually spoke. But you, you forgot about it. You didn't write it down and anchor it. And you have that story front of mind so that you contend for what he has said. You, you, you kind of just continue on. After you've had your confirmation and your assurance. And sometimes also we are happy just by hearing a small little word. To say you should be there. But we don't know what we should do there. We don't know how we should live there. But we should be there. That's enough. It was an awesome confirmation. So I'll just be there. And we leave it. And for, so I know for many of you. You shouldn't wipe everything off. Because God has been speaking to you. Anchor that. And the word of God also gives us a framework. That the spirit of God wants to. Wants wants to color in for each and every one of us. The Spirit of God gives us the framework, the things that should be a part of all of our lives, and then the Spirit of God shows you your role in what that is. So we're going to look at a framework, a very, very basic framework um, of your mission. If we explore mission, we see part of your identity, who you are made be and when you do these things your spirit resonates and you'll come alive is you are a member of his church that's a part of your identity you are a member of his church and you are a light to the world it's part of your identity that's who you are now many other things that is true about who you are and many of the things about who you are you need to go ask the father because the father speaks words of identity over his children that's what you need to anchor your life in. But what we do know and what we're going to explore is that we are definitely, each one of us, a member of his church. And we are definitely called to be light to the world. He says we are light to the world. We sometimes say I should be a light to the world. He says you already are. You, you are. It's an identity thing. That informs what we do. So... We're just, we're just going to dig into the first part of this today, member of his church. And we're going to complete that next week at camp with a theme, Living Stones. Um, and trusting God for an activation in that, in that space. And then next month, we're going to light to the world. We're going to specifically focus, um, unless God leads otherwise, but on our Careers, what we do with our lives from eight to five, and how that makes sense in line of all of those, and that's going to be awesome. Um, I can't wait for that. But um, let's just briefly look at this. A part of your mission, a part of my mission, is to fulfill our role as a member in the local church. How basic is that? All right. How beautiful. For many of us, for many Christians, it's just not enough. It's too small, you know, just to have a little role in a local church. It's too small because we think we're so big. Um, I believe the Lord wants to do some work in our hearts. But church, just very quickly, um, the ecclesia, as we have explored during lockdown, um, it's... The word means those that have been have been called out, have been called out from among others, have been called out to him. It's his ecclesia, your ecclesia. Are, so if the um, DA would go around and say, all the DA members come to this um, stadium, then the DA ecclesia would be at this um, stadium. Are you with me? So his church is the ones, those that he have called out to be together. That's the church. That's ecclesia. That's where it comes from and what is incredible is that he himself jesus himself makes him a part of us by calling us his actual body are, are you hearing this 
because we have been cleansed by his blood, we, we can actually, because of that alone, he calls us part of his holy body, of which he is the head. We are a part of him. Our role in his local church right now is to purify her and to love her. She must be made ready for the day when he comes. And he loves her dearly. <laughs> He's the perfect husband. He loves her dearly. And so should we, if our hearts are aligned with him. Zephaniah 3 verse 18 speaks about the special place that God holds for those that are willing to accept the burden of the local church on their hearts and to embrace it and to see its brokenness and to weep over it and to pray for it and to have it as their own. God says, I've got a very special place for you if you are willing to partner with me and my bride that I so love and that so needs my love. Each of us has got a role in that. Are we willing to put our time, our resources, our skills in to help build what Jesus is doing? He said, I am building my ecclesia and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. So we are going to win. And you are called to participate like a little boy with loaves and fishes. Are you ready to bring what you have? We're going to read a couple of scriptures. Living stones, if you're wondering where that comes from, it's from a scripture. 1 Peter 2 verse 4, to 4 and 5 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you, yourself, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The metaphor of G Jesus building his church is, ex is, is, is extended. Jesus said, I build my church here. They use that metaphor to continue and say each member is a living stone in what God is building. He wants to use you to build the spiritual house. You are made for this. I want you to get that. You are made for this. Your, I, I, it's part of your identity. Uh, there's a lot of stuff we long for, we yearn for, that we do not know why we do not have and why we feel unfulfilled in because there are some things that were made to be a part of us, but we are neglecting them, and therefore we do not experience the fullness in certain things because of it. There is such a beautiful peace and a beautiful joy in, 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 in that communion, in that being a part of something that is one, where I am not one, but where we are one. I'm not a star. I'm not a star. I'm just a body part, or I'm just a brick. That is more glorious than being a star, because it's in line with his love, it's in line with his, with his call and his glory, and that's the way, in that way, it's the only way we will have four tastes of heavenly glory while being on this earth. Are you ready to be a living stone? Let's read 1 Corinthians 12. I highlighted some, uh, some things that we would focus on. If the rest is too small, I'm sorry about that. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm, an, because I'm not an eye, I, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body if the whole body were an eye where would be the sense of hearing if the whole body were an ear where would be the sense of smell but as it is god has arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chose see all the parts have got equal value 
but different roles. Sometimes, and I wanted to say this, because you get a lot of people that say, I don't feel that I fit in, you know. I'm, I'm just not a hand. It looks like there's a lot of hands, you know. It's a handy church. We've got a lot of handy men. Um, and because I'm not a hand, I don't feel I belong. <laughs> we need you. <laughs> we need you. Are you with me? Do not say I don't belong to the body because I'm different. Because I wouldn't make you any less a part of it. The church needs you. If somehow there's a couple more hands here than what they are of, of feet or, or, or eyes, more so. We need you. It is God that arranged each member as he chose See, what's hard in this sometimes is that when you do what you feel you need to do, there will always be, because we are still purifying, there will always be a, a lot of us who, who are not necessarily walking in what we should. And that makes it harder for the ones that do, because then there's more to do. And it's not your role to do some of those things. And then often you want to, because, and some of you have been in a position like that, you want to opt out because it's been too much. Do not adopt roles that isn't yours. I'm really challenged by that. I believe God spoke to me clearly one day. He said, do not, do not try to be all things to all men to those who are already saved. Because they each have a role to play. So I need to do what I need to do. And if it doesn't work out that well, because I didn't do the other eight things that is not being done, then just, I just shouldn't do them. But I should do what I'm called. And that's what we should. We shouldn't look around and say, oh, you, what's going on there? What's, well, why don't we have this? Just do what you're called to do. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet say, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are, are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, with which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Do you realize that you need each other? Do you realize that you are not a star or an island and that you need each other? And sometimes you go through things and you don't understand why you are suffering, but you're suffering because someone else is suffering. Because you are part of, this, of the same body. There are spiritual dynamics at play that you might not even be aware of. That you are suffering because someone else is suffering because that's how the body works. And it's not just you. But it's a, it's a call to you. Because if you see that you're struggling to walk and your, and your back gets sore because you're struggling to walk, then your, it sends a signal to your brain and the brain diagnoses that it's your left ankle. And then you send blood to the left ankle or you have it treated so that... You don't mess up your back also and that the ankle gets treatment it needs. But the back will be sore when the ankle is not working. Look at each other. Look to the person next to you and say, I need you. <laughs> we need each other. We cannot be so blissfully unaware of, of these spiritual dynamics. It's really affecting us. And then, you see, it says there at the bottom, it says, if anyone suffers, all suffer together. If, if, if one name is honored, all rejoice together. Now, we like the, if, 
one is honored, all rejoice together. We love telling testimonies of how someone in our church did something amazing. We really like that. When Kathy or and Pilo's head boy and head girl, it's awesome. We love it. Um, if one member suffers, all suffer together. What's interesting there is that it doesn't say that if you are aware of their suffering and you see it, you will be affected by it and also feel it. It says, no, if they suffer, you will suffer because you're part of the same body. Are you getting this? It's really so simple that all we need to do is just to do our role in this. Part of who we are, part of what we're called to do, and that we will figure it out bit by bit. So how do we get there? I'm going to use this model next month also. It's a great model. Um, the world uses a different model. We use this model, and we'll probably do a big group on Wednesday night where Pastor Ross will come and share on uh, how he does some of this very practically daily, which will be incredibly helpful. Please be there when you hear about it. But um, if you do not know where to start, we need an answer on who does he say that you are. Because who he says you are will tell you, will, will direct you towards what your ministry might be whether it's for a specific season or longer. What he asks you to do always comes after who you are. Don't just ask him who, what you should do, what you should do. Don't go to that works. Ask him who you are. Like he says, you are the light of the world. He's, he, he doesn't say you should, you better be the light of the world. He speaks identity over you. He says you are the light of the world. If I tell my son, you should, you should be an, you should do athletics. You should do athletics. You should do athletics. I think it, you should do athletics. It's much a weaker motivation than when I say you're an athlete. Because you should do rest so much on whether you would or would not actually. You just want to actually run away. But, but if I am it. I've got the freedom to then be it. The grace of God. And then we ask him, where should I be for that right now? Now for church, when we ask this question, say, but where should I serve? What should I do? What is my role in local church? Once again, you can feel like this blank canvas, and we're going to look into a few things right now that can help. But you are a living stone that he wants to build with. You are a body part. So you do have something to do. Maybe you should just find it. Let him clarify those details. But you are a stone. You are a body part. What else are you that he has spoken over you? The what is where it gets very specific to you. That's where the Holy Spirit interprets the word of God to make sense to you. So he can show you. What I've seen with th this is that if we are faithful in little, he entrusts us with more. So when you do not know what to do, just do something. Just start riding the bike because then he can guide you because then he sees you're actually serious. Like when a little ch child tells you he wants a bicycle, but he's not riding his scooter then you're not going to buy him a bicycle. He says, no, I promise you I will. If, if, you just, if, if you give it to me, I will. No. If, you have, if, if the wheels are off that scooter, then I'll buy you a bicycle because then you're going to ride it. It's the same with the Lord. He wants to see, like, would you actually do something? Would you actually, are you, are you burning for his bride? And then he would guide you as you go. So just get in there and show him that you're serious and then, uh, as I said, Romans twelve sixteen says, give yourself to humble tasks. And other scripture, use what's in your hands or what's in your hand. Use it. Where? Well, for church, it's rather easy because it's where you are slotted into a local church. That's where you should be and where you should serve. 
for many of us that's right here. In the uh, secularly, they they say that why we should f- you should find your why because it's the strongest motivator. I just want to say this, and I, I think that's amazing. Um, but but why isn't the ultimate question? Who is much stronger than why? Who is much stronger than why? Because who speaks to you and why speaks to what you must do? You need to answer that question. You need to have it answered. It's a journey. It's a journey. Why is important, but why is very often his territory? Because he knows. Why is his glory? Why more? We don't always know. Because he's God. So our who is our greatest motivator, who he says we are. So just as we move to conclude, some guidance according to scripture of some of the gifts and the functions that we find in scripture that many of us are called to walk in and walk in more and grow in um <laughs> they are all there's all kinds of uh, assessments out these days online that you can do to see whether you're more prophetic or more evangelistic or which one of the of the gifts you're more inclined to and those things are wonderful in the process of discovery um, but the final, the, the final stamps on these things um, must come f- from him, and it is it is functions that we move in, and he can move us in different in different functions in different times of our lives and different gifts. But if you want to go and um, work through this and pray into this, I just wanted to show you this and make it easy for reference. Um, Ephesians four verse twelve, one Corinthians. 12 and Romans Romans 12 so the gifts given in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 overlap a little bit and with Ephesians 4 so I, I just gave the additional ones that is in Romans 12 that aren't in the others but those are some of the leadership functions supernatural functions and others that we find in the word of God that the church of God should should use to minister to the church with the first one is the fivefold. Those ones, it says, should equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Their role is to equip the saints. 1 Corinthians 12, we read the services to the body to build it up. That's why those gifts are there. And then Romans 12, it's exactly the same. It's speaking about the body. A part of our mission, whenever we think mission, we often think out there. There's a saying that says the church is the only institution that exists for its non-members. And as true as, true as it is, it is not the only truth to it. We have that function and this one to purify his bride. And we each have a role to play in both. That's clear from scripture also. So how that looks for us practically as we step away from just doing what we want to do and um, saying God okay so so how, how does how does it work in your kingdom how does it work when I when I uh, only use your word and your spirit and your body to guide me then we we come to this very it, it, it almost feels like and when I did this whole study, it almost feels like you go all the way around the mountain and you come back, you're very close to where you started. And you just understand exactly, you just have a great, you just have a much deeper understanding of the things you already kind of knew. And now you're ready to go f- for it again and, and, and to cast off some of the things that led you astray. But as a congregation, as a local body, there are functions that are to be fulfilled and for us it's very simple if 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 you are called to be a part of this body you've got a function within these areas most likely in all of them you've got some sort of a of a function we've got gatherings on sundays and wednesdays you've got a role to play there so you cannot miss them even if it's just to be there and pray, you don't miss them because you've got something here to do. 
there. It's not just a nice to have when you've got a time for it. You are called to be there. So when you are not at the gathering, it means, as we said last week, Jesus led you somewhere. Oh, this is so offensive. Now Juliet walks out. Last time it was Aubrey. I thought Aubrey would be the last one, but Juliet definitely would be the last one to walk out when I say these things. Hebrews um, 10, we know it says, it speaks about the habit of gathering, and a lot of the habit has been lost in this, in this time, and we should be so careful and adhere to that scripture, because there is, you just know that it's, it's right and, and it's good to be with the saints when you are with them. But when you're not, there are so many reasons to not be. And sometimes it's glorious and amazing, and sometimes it's hard, but all in all, it's so beautiful. So how this body works, and this body would work super well if everyone is in, engaged with Sundays, engaged with Wednesdays, and actually coming to be a part. Sometimes we just come to receive. And that's very good. But there's more to that. There's more joy on the other side of that. The second one, and that's why church exists, is to make disciples. And that's you have got a primary responsibility on your own life to walk with people. That's what it means. Spend time with people, walk with people. It's a joy. It's amazing. You've got a primary responsibility towards that as a member of the ch- church. That is what we do. We grow each other into his likeness. And three, ministries, those specific things that focuses on specific, or specific duties or specific um, 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 areas where we bless the church with, where the intercession, one of the serving teams, encounters, Bible school, whether it's business, children, youth, parenting, marriage, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of those things that you would see there that is currently either not happening or hasn't happened for a while or would be awesome if it would happen. A lot of it is with some of you guys and not with anyone else that needs to do it because it's not happening means there might be room for someone to say, hey, I really believe this should happen. Um, for, for instance, we've got a men's ministry because Baran and Nadia and Gert and Gepeg got together and felt the Lord speak to them. And they've been faithful to arrange men's camps and to minister into that, sp- that space and do Friday mornings. That's a great example of it. I've got nothing to do with it. I just pitch up there and it's awesome. And I get ministered to. Um, that's the way it should work. So what is your role at small group? What's your role at a Sunday service? What's your role in discipleship? Are you taking that up? And where is a specific ministry that you might be called in? I want to ask you to get involved. And as you ride the bicycle, God will direct you where you should be. Can we all stand as we are just going to look to the Lord and ask him to deal with our hearts. Matthew, we could maybe also finish with a song. I just, I, yeah, I, I say this again as last week, just, just a space for repentance about our attitudes as we're moving more practically now. Our attitude towards ch- church um, and we trust that this understanding of it and our surrendering of our lives and our um, walking away from, v- from views and ways that we, uh, um, that we have, have had would happen. I'm not sure how to end that sentence. I got a bit distracted now. Um, but can we just close our eyes and just take hold of the moment as we close can everyone just close your eyes if you know that there is 
a conviction in your heart about something that you need to align, something that you need to change, something that you need to b bring. Any alignment with the lemma, I specifically feel we need to renounce that alignment with the lemma of wanting to be a star, being uh, having individualized missions of love being subservient to your will, of doing whatever you want and just not, not just really despising or having to do something that you are you are told by God, but wanting to do what you will, if, if that's you. If there's any conviction on your heart this morning, can I just pray over you as you just raise your hands to God, as you just say, yes, Lord, I, 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 I respond, God, I, you see me, God. Can we just raise our hands to him? I just want to pray over you, and then you're going to spend time with him as we close with a worship song. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for freshness in us. I pray in Jesus' name for encounters with your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you are moving mightily in our hearts and that you are drawing us closer to you to be with you and to walk with you, Father. I thank you for the joy and life that is in that, in that store that you want to release to us, the love that you want to release on us. Father, I pray for four tastes of that as we respond father and father although our response is small father would you see our hearts and would you empower us through your holy spirit to walk in this way father as a congregation we we renounce the ways of telema we renounce that god we say no to that we say that we are we we uphold our relationship with you as our lord and savior as the highest thing in our lives you are our king that we follow, that we listen to. Father, thank you that love among us would be genuine. It would be genuine. That it would cover a multitude of sin and that we wouldn't justify any behavior or for any reason where, where, where we could just cast love off because of truth or because of justice or because of whatever. Father, that we would always put love First, that's what we declare over us, Father. And we declare we are not stars, individualized stars, but we are, a, we are one, one body with members. That's who we are. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would minister to our hearts as we just close with a song. We're going to close with a song and just trust that as we sing and as you spend some time with the Lord, that you would speak to you what is necessary and that you would take hold of that and that you would speak to him um, and would repent towards him if you if you have the need if there's anything specific you need to repent about I ask that while we are singing you would come to the front we'll have small group leaders and elders are ready to minister um, if you know you need to repent about something and renounce something please come to the front and we'd love to pray with you but let's just do some um, introspection and deal with the lord